0: Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Padra.
1: So I had asked, actually requested, rather than asked the question, last episode, uh, with the Hockey News coming out with their annual Top 100 People of Power and Influence list. Um, I requested everybody, mostly because we'd all be going through lists And it would take up a lot of time. Um, Limit your list to 5 to 20 people who you feel are the most influential and powerful in hockey who are not white and presumably straight or men. Um, I kind of shot myself in the foot with this because I had 40.
2: (laughs) And you accused me of going overboard.
1: I know, right? (laughs) Sorry, Pat. (laughs) I apologize. I apologize for accusing you.
2: Oh, no, no, no. You were absolutely within your right to accuse me. But for whatever (laughs) reason, I kind of stopped at about 14. (laughs) Wait, no. Now I noticed someone I left off. So let me write that down. Yeah, I kept it pretty, pretty, pretty light. But I also figured there's going to be a lot of overlap on any of the lists, the three of us write. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to start and throw out a name and say Renee Hess.
1: Number one on my list, number one in all our hearts.
2: This is so very true. <laughs> I mean, she is a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Which we well, can overlook.
0: Well, we will forgive her for that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But when you... Create a nonprofit out of nothing.
0: She well, is not. Through hard ass work and wanting to do good.
2: Oh, let me rephrase. From the, ground,
0: it, from the ground up.
2: From the ground up, not from the. I'm in a hockey circle and I got a bunch of people to give me money to create something. Which so much of hockey is these days. No, there's not a bitterness or tone in my voice. Anyway, she goes out. She's created events. She has physically herself gone out to games at NHL arenas, met with other fans. Well, she's just a super nice person. She's just fantastic. I got to chat with her for, you know, five, 10 minutes at a meetup here in Carolina. And, but seeing the growth of things that have transpired during quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it here in North America, just the things that have spawned from that. And to use a perfect example, the Beanie campaign with the Seattle Kraken, just she is forcing teams to make moves. And the ones that are doing it with like open mind, open heart, I think it's going to be a smashing success and too bad to all the people kicking and screaming because she is going to change the NHL and no one can do a damn thing about it and I'm here for it. Mm
1: -hmm. So we can go round Robin. Everybody pick one. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of Seattle Kraken, I just lumped them all into one. I started listing off individual people, and I'm like, yeah, this is taking up like half of my list, I swear. So I'm just going to go and lump them all together with, you know, Alexandra Mandricki, Cami Granado, Everett Fitzhugh, etc., and so on. The list continues. Their co- um, cooperation with Black Girl Hockey Club, like you had just said, Pat, um, I mean, my list is kind of arbitrary. I don't really have it in an order. I mean, I kind of picked the ones that have been in the news more or talked about more at the top of my list than at the bottom of my list. But um, so I had them next. That was my number two. Not that it really meant anything. But um, the Seattle Kraken are definitely, their front office is definitely making an effort to not be, with the exception of, you know, their general manager <laughs> and now their TV you know uh, <clears throat> their their TV the, the voice on their TV um, broadcasting uh, they're trying to make an effort not to be totally um, overrun by hockey men
0: yeah <laughs> Whenever I, when, you know whenever I want to just emphatically agree with something, I always go to the, the two guys in the cell with Eddie Murphy in trading places. Just the one the one guy goes, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't cool being no jab <laughs> Turk is so close to Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. You know Are you waiting for me?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Oh well you next. Um, me next. I placed Sarah Sivian on my list. Really? I did. I have her on
1: my list too. But I had to drop her off out of the top 20.
0: (laughs) Because she is. She's kind of turning some things on their head. And being a little brash about it. And I love the snark. Because. she's pushing back out what is being given to her and then some and just queening it right like whatever I'm doing my thing you know enough of you and Mm -hmm. and not I don't know there's there's something just about the way that she's going after certain people like when they're when they're trying to drag her and she just she flips it on them right and I think that's what I like is, is she's got that? You can't make fun of me because I do a better job of making fun of me than you ever could. And oh, by the way, I'm smarter than you, and I'm funnier than you. Which and prettier is prettier than you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who cares about that, right? Well,
1: I know, but she'll like more. I'm more, that I'm after more there talented, anyway.
0: right? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's like she'll post things because you know she thinks she looks. You know, she likes the way she looks. There's not a goddamn thing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, she's, you know, I like her writing style. She, she's got a little bit of down goes Brown and, um, and wishinski that sort of comedic side to it, but it's really, really witty. And, but she's also, you know, she knows where to go for stories and she's by far and away my favorite of the female hockey writers just because of all those things. So, yes, she is on my list.
2: You know, I think I may be a little too close because, I mean, I basically live in her coverage area. And I am ultimately really happy, but also scared to see how much national attention that she's already garnered just by working at The Athletic, not to mention all the bullshit she had to deal with you know prior to that gig I mean I've already accepted it a day where you mentioned the down goes brown or you know but with Shinsky she's going to be a national columnist I think at some point Um, I think her days for being a beat reporter you know beat writer they're not going to last much longer and that's that's going to be frustrating as a fan in a local market who never had a single individual who their job was to cover the team for the better part of a decade before she arrived pretty much overnight. You know, she, she got the job one week, drove down, and had no idea what she was getting into, and she's just run with it, which has been awesome.
1: I love how she's just unapologetic about who she is and what she's about, and And a lot of women who are involved in writing, you know, in the media with sports generally, you either have the ones who keep their heads down, just do their job, try not to get a lot of attention otherwise, and then you have the few who are brave enough to just say, screw you, this is my job, I enjoy it, and this is who I am, and I'm making no apologies for who I am. And because she is she has that sense of humor because she's attractive because you have to figure that in with women unfortunately it's true and because she's intelligent and heartfelt you know she's really bringing to light a lot of issues that women in journalism have to face and And again, she's unapologetic about it. (laughs) She's just like, this is how it is. And I hate it. And you guys get to, if I have to deal with it, all of you have to deal with it because you're part of the problem too. And, um, and I love that about her.
2: And I don't know if this is apparent when you're not in market, but she has really bonded with other female sports media types locally. And she's gone to work just to promote their work, to celebrate them and also to craft relationships. Cause kind of like what you were saying, Cassie, sometimes it can be friendly. Sometimes, you know, we've seen that be a little cutthroat with some other things that I probably shouldn't talk about because those stories aren't public, but case in point, uh, Canes have a new, you know, intermission pregame host named Abby Labar, who's, You know, when I first met her in the market, you know, I thought, yeah, she's good. Holy crap. Here's an up and comer who will move on to bigger and better things just like Sarah will uh, when the time when they are ready for it. Um, And I think Sarah really helped push Abby to a new level. She started out kind of doing interning with various, you know, uh, college sports publications. She became an in arena host now she's on the TV desk. She's doing work with the local soon to be Bailey's Sports affiliate for local college football and Sarah's probably one of her biggest cheerleaders. And it's just awesome to see people push each other and support them when I know it's probably hell for them in the industry.
0: Oh, her and Amanda Stein too, you know. Oh Amanda, God, yeah. You know, Amanda just gets so much excrement thrown at her undeservedly obviously well okay you know what very few women get thrown stuff deservedly at them
2: no <laughs> and i am jealous of her handwriting let me tell you <laughs> her oh, penmanship you, oh, <laughs> it's, oh. it's excellent
0: amanda's printing is just like it's like a font right it's like one mm-hmm. of those if you went to look up architectural font Because, you know, Mm -hmm. you just imagine that's what architects kind of... No,
2: I will not name a font name. No, I will not (laughs) name a font name. Yeah,
0: the Amanda font. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right,
1: so I guess, Pat, you're next again, or did you have something to add, Patrick?
0: It is Sunday, 125, Sunday, Valentine's Day, 125, and at 1634, sorry, yeah, specific Time, And Jacob Rana has just scored for the Washington Capitals to tie the game 2-2. Your live in-game update. May continue. It's
2: a beauty. Um, A name probably won't garner enough attention as the NWHL just, you know, had to shut down their season. But Anya Packer, former player, current head of the NWHL's Players Association. I'm going to get the acronym wrong, so that's just what I'm going to call it. Uh, One, she's just a funny follow. She just seems like a really humorous person. But two, she has... One, she she works a full-time job outside of hockey because that's the reality for NWHL players right now. And then... The strides that the league has taken since, you know, the PWHPA was created and, you know, national team players splintered off from Danny Ryland's league at the time and the inroads that I am fairly certain she's had her hand in everything from all the new sponsorship deals to Twitch to whatever And then the inroads she's making with the WNBA, the W, um, the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, she's laying the groundwork for stuff where she's going to have some doors open for her at a future, you know, 30 team Women's National League, hopefully in, you know, in the next 10 to 20 years, fingers crossed. But she could also make inroads on the pro game, just given the nature of she's got a corporate background, highly educated. She's in a market in Connecticut, New York, Boston, somewhere in that region that she's going to be able to bring on a lot of sponsors and hopefully bring an influx of money to a league. And that's the type of person any league can use.
1: So I'm going to skip yeah. down my list. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to skip down my list because we've just been talking about women and I am going to like go with a a uh, man who is a person of color uh, and I'm going to probably butcher his name. Harnarayan Singh, Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi edition. Harnarayan Singh. Harnarayan. Harnarayan, there you go. Um, I mean, you know, because it's like hugely groundbreaking, especially um, with a large influx of, of South Asian immigrants into North America. Generally, um, I know that they've been doing the Punjabi version of Hockey Night in Canada, doing the calls for a while, but I don't see them getting enough love, honestly. And it's it's actually you don't hockey is such a um, a white man sport that you know, what kind of gets lost in a, a lot of like the publications and things are the teams that actually and the broadcasters that broadcast out the games outside of like French and English, you know, like the L.A. Kings and the San Jose Sharks doing um, their uh, broadcasts in Spanish, upon occasion. Um, Hacking Night in Canada doing Punjabi you know that sort of thing so I, I I think that these you know the people who are doing all of this Singh and, and everybody he's kind of the face one of the faces um, they need more attention they need more like I think they have a lot more influence than what people are probably thinking
0: I uh <clears throat> I disagree with, no I don't disagree with you in any <laughs> shape or form I freaking love Harner Ryan. He's a a badass musician too, Um,
2: and he was the best thing about that Winnipeg uh, Ottawa game yesterday.
0: That's what I was going to say. You know, I, I, I gotta give him props begrudgingly that they have moved him up to a seat where he's calling um, national games. You know, he did a Hockey Night in Canada game a couple of weeks ago. He did, you know, part of the Hockey Day in, in Canada yesterday. Because that guy I can call a hockey game. He doesn't mm-hmm. sound like, you know, right now he, I think he's still fighting his feet. But if you listen to him in Punjabi, you don't have to understand the language. He calls a hockey game. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's he, he he's got a little bit of that, that and I know this is going to rub some people the wrong way. He's got a little bit of that Doc Emmerich where he lets his enthusiasm bleed into his presentation you no. know even on even on a national game and it's fine you know he's not rooting for one team or the other he just lets his enthusiasm get into it there are guys that call games and they you know they get a little up when a big goal is scored or something but you can hear his enthusiasm um, and I won't even—I won't say for mundane plays, but you know, normal plays that other guys would like sort of let go by the wayside. Oh, you know what? What a great pass or what a great hit by so and so. He's like, what a pass by, you know? That kind of stuff. He
1: clearly loves the game, and it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and he's like presents it that way. He presents yeah. the the games in the way that it's like, I love this. I love doing my job. I love the cocky and he's going to be enthusiastic about it.
0: Yeah. And, and I always, every time, uh, every time I see him, I just remember there was one game. They did hockey night in Punjabi. It was a battle of Alberta game back when we could have people in the stands. And I was watching it on the Punjabi feed. And there was an Edmonton Oilers fan, um, who had his turban matching the orange in the Oilers sweater. <laughs> so he had an, so he had on a McDavid's you know a McDavid road sweater, needle the white with the orange, and his turban matched that orange. And and I I picked up a couple of words that they were saying, and it looked like they were talking about the guy. So I was I was like God, I keep I wanted to keep asking, or I wanted to keep reminding myself to ask him. You know what were they saying about it? Because we go back to this expression, right? How badass is that? You know, want to talk about a hockey fan? Dude matched his turban to the team colors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Brian Rust has just taken the lead for the Pittsburgh Penguins on a power play goal. It is 1332 Pacific time, 32 past the hour of one, 132 in the afternoon. And <laughs> this has been your live in-game scoring update. Sorry. Um, is it back to me again? I think mm-hmm. so. Um, next on my list Damon Kwame Mason, who my man who produced and directed a soul, on ice, the movie and hosts the soul on ice podcast.
2: I believe I, you mean
0: Kwame Saurus Kwame Rex. Yes, yes, I do.
2: That's a thing.
0: Yes. Much to gonna, his chagrin. He doesn't like it, but I, but I've been trying to make it a thing. You know, <laughs> we talk about guys who sort of did things from the ground up, right? This is a guy who ran out and got, you know, basically begged, pleaded, borrowed, stole. No, he didn't steal money to get that movie made because he found a subject that really spoke to him, you know, and it was a fantastic movie. And and my absolute favorite part is he got to interview Herb Carnegie before her passed. And you want to talk about a font of, of, of first person history, you know, getting to talk to, um, Herb Carnegie was just, you know, I, I would have kept him there for 12 hours just, you know, talking about the old Negro, you know, the old Negro hockey leagues and, the, you know, all of that, you know, why he never, I mean, I know he touches on it in his memoir, but, you know, could, you know, Did he ever really push to get in the NHL? That kind of stuff. But, um, Quamasaurus Rex has just been killing it, you know, launches a podcast with two young players, you know, two young players of color, Akil, and, um, oh God, now, uh, Elijah Elijah Robert. God, I always, I always want to call him Robert Elijah for some reason, you know, um a second round pick who scored the other night for the LA Kings off a beautiful pass from Quentin Byfield. Um you know, and and they just they just sit around and BS and they have, you know, they've got great guests on. You know, what the one of my favorite episodes was was you brought up Everett Fitzhugh earlier, um, you know, when they sat down and talked to Everett. You know, just out of nowhere, here comes Everett FitzHugh, and he got into this backstory, you know, on how he got into calling games. So, you know, sort of following along the lines of of Renee Hess, you know, on another side of the spectrum, you know, the NHL, uh, the Soul on Ice podcast gets picked up as part of the NHL podcast network. So, you know, they've they've got some support from the NHL to do this. So, they're those are kind of two people I see, you know, sort of working. Working the same problem from different ends to get to both achieve the same means, and I think that's just fantastic because it's going to exponentially um, speed up some of the changes that I think we all want to see. And I'll shut up now. I'll I'll, I'll hang up and listen.
2: <laughs> so I'll I'll piggyback off that. I did have keel Thomas on my list, not only because I think. He and Quentin Byfield together in L.A. will hopefully form a, a pretty powerful, you know, line with insert players name here. You know how most lines coaches, they like having two players that are just go together. Well, early season returns with the Ontario rain. Hopefully those two develop into it. But he's also kind of entrepreneurial. He, he started a clothing brand while he was still in the O. But right under his name, I wrote down Khalil Thomas, Akhil's father, who is a yeah. uh, was hopefully going to be head coach and general manager of an expansion team for the Federal Development Hockey League. But the Federal League, uh, as it exists now, it's like a s- single A hockey. But he he goes from. A long career as a minor league player, you know, bouncing around everywhere. And then he ran a team in the one of the major, minor, I don't know what it is, Ontario Youth Leagues. Then he goes and was an assistant for two years in the ECHL. Then he gets this opportunity. Here's a guy who I could see. He's that classic hockey sc- story of a scrapper who just loved the game, stayed with it, you know, and he's on that proverbial path to where he is uh, his way up the hockey ladder, you know, given how few assistant or head coaches are non white males who played the game these days, You know, I could, you know, Mike Greer, he's not working on a bench. As far as I know this season, Joel Ward is, uh, in the AHL, but those are players. Those are names that general managers, coaches knew could bring on to staffs. Here's a guy I I can see him working his way up to running a team. If not being the head coach one day.
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go with, I feel it's an obvious choice, but maybe it's not an obvious choice to other people. Um, Manal Rung, Uh She actually was one of, you know, the founders of, like, women's hockey, not, like, one of the 80s or 70s founders, but in the 90s, because she ended up, and um, I can't think of his name now. Tampa Bay Lightning GM at the time,
0: Tony Esposito.
1: Thank you. Um, Esposito has since said, you know that yeah, it was a publicity stunt to get her signed and play in in parts of uh, preseason games, not just one season but two. Um, She's a name and a face that just doesn't go away in a good way. you know, the, had an anniversary of when she played. That was like last year or something. She is getting a movie made about her life, which is in pre-production, called Between the Pipes. Um, you know, she's still like she's in. I think she's in Michigan, and she's still really involved in in amateur kids hockey leagues. And you know, does the um, does talks around the country and about inclusion and things and she just never goes away and in a good way i mean it's there are people in the past you know in the past that like pop up and have a bright shining moment and then you never hear from them again and by all rights she should have been one of those people where you know the first woman to play in a national hockey league game sure it was preseason, but still um but she has it and she still has things to say and things to teach people and things, you know, to inspire people. So um I think she deserves to be on a list at least. And and maybe even I don't know that she would want to participate in like working an NHL job per se, but um the fact that she still manages to keep herself in the limelight at least a tiny bit here and there um shows that she still has a lot she wants to accomplish. So
2: and I may have my details wrong. I believe she's doing some work with RDS this season.
1: Yes, actually she was going to, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. She, she was uh, going to work with RDS this season, which is funny. Cause she, be li- she's been living in the States for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking
0: French is a hell of a drug. Um, uh. <laughs> So to piggyback, is that
2: why her son ended up playing at Notre Dame?
0: Notre um, Dame. Scoring update, Jake Gensel. It is now a two-goal lead for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are obviously looking to make sure that nobody gets traded now that their general manager and president of Hockey Ops are actually in the building watching them today. Um, mm-hmm. Which we may discuss later. Uh, sort of piggybacking on yours, I went with A.J. Malesko.
2: Yes. Because
0: mm-hmm. there's a woman, and, and because I put her on, I left Cami Granado off, and I know I'm going to catch hell for this. Um, not that my list was as expansive as you two had. Um, there's someone who has just pounded the beat, right? After her playing career, just got her feet down and started running towards walls and knocking them down. And, you know worked her way on up through all of the roadblocks and crap thrown in front of her to, you know, start doing that that bench roll for broadcasts. You know, and not just regional broadcasts, you know, part of the Islanders package, but also NBC Sports Network. So you know, and then um her uh, Girls on the Bus podcast with Cameron Granato has absolutely been hysterical because the two of them just bring in some of their old teammates and start sharing some of the old horror stories about you know what it was like for them coming up you know in that that early '90s era um, for women's hockey you know and hearing and hearing some of the crap that they had to go through it's sort of like yeah you know these are the pioneers you know sure there was women's hockey before you know the 90s but it really didn't take a foothold until those until those teams came along right and especially when they get um uh, uh one of the old canadian players on you know and they just then they'd sit there and talk about how they wouldn't even stay in the same hotels as each other because that's how furious the uh the, the rivalry was between the two of them you know Sure, it's still there now, but, I mean, this was a hatred. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the way she's picked it all up, you know, and to find out, and I don't, I hate doing this because it just always makes it sound cheesy, but, you know, she's also done all of this, you know, with four kids and her family and managing all of that. And I don't want to make it sound like, you know, this work-life balance crap, but it kind of is.
1: No, it is, because women are, regardless, generally blanket statement, not particular to her, because I don't know her situation, but women are generally still the primary caregivers of children in North America.
0: Yeah, and, and, and God love her husband, you know, because those are the kind of guys that step up and, you know, take responsibility when she's away, right? Because <laughs> she was all set to go travel to, to do the um, NWHL weekend, you know, before the bubble got burst. She was slated to be there that entire weekend for the NBCSN games, you know. So, it, and they always they talk about ambassadors. You know, it's it's all great that the women are standing up for each other, but we, you know, it's nice to have those ambassadors. <laughs> you know, like like Ray Ferraro and her and AJ's husband. You know, the guys that'll say go, go, go. You know, go.
2: I got mm-hmm. your back. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's funny that you mentioned the NWHL bubble and how she was going to call it. She was going to be working with John Forslett. I think they should just do that full time going forward. Don't you think?
0: You mean up here in the greater Seattle area?
1: Mhm.
0: Mhm. Well, I would um I'm going to say this out loud. I would hate to deprive the Islanders of her. Mm. Because that intermission show with her and Shannon Hogan is <sighs> awesome. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to break up Tim and Sid or Jay and Dan or, you know, name another iconic duo, you know, just for my own greed. Greed.
2: Well, I, th- there I, is a solution to that too.
0: Yes, there is and I'm sure this person is on one of our lists.
2: <laughs> well, no, I meant steal them both. <laughs> because they're that good they are that good together. I mean, well,
0: they are, but I think with them being on root sport up here, I think the root sport is probably going to um there's a there's a woman who does Mariners games you know, sort of in that, in that same role, that sort of sideline reporter role. And I cannot for the life of me remember her last name. It's Angie Martinez
2: or something like that.
0: Um, I don't watch any Mariners games, but I've heard she's pretty good.
2: Well, I mean, I see AJ. She can fill the color spot in a broadcast team. Yeah.
1: There are two women in the NHL currently who are radio analysts, color analysts, uh, for NHL teams,,
0: mm-hmm. and I don't want to steal either one of them. I want to give the job to somebody else, but we'll deal with that later. <laughs> Please continue. Oh hey, the stats tracker shows how many face offs he's won. I wonder how the stat tracker picked that up <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because they they in the oh. NBC game there is a the little. Hovering, you know, the the bubbles to show you oh. who's on the ice when there's a stoppage in play, and you know the little pointer on the bubble points to that area on their jersey where the where the um, sensor is sewn in, which I think is fun. Mm. So it's not like it's pointing at their head. It's not like they do an offset or something to point at their head. It's pointing at their right shoulder. <laughs>
1: nice.
0: So, anywho. Mm. No! oh, oh oh, 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 Jim, oh, oh, no. oh, sorry, now it's D got bent in a funny way. I'll stop watching the game now,
2: Pat. All right. Um, before the next live in-game update, I want to stay in the broadcasting world. Uh, Anthony Stewart. He was. He was a fun guy to follow during his NHL career. And I think to a man, everyone would admit his, play, his playing career didn't go the way everyone might have envisioned. But he and his brother both carved out their spots. He's, he's in the plans at Sportsnet in Canada. But you mentioned your favorite episode of Soul on Ice, Patrick. And mine was the interview with, with Anthony. Where, you know, he gives a lot of the stories, but he talks about kind of the gym that he's running now for players. He, you know, when he is not on the radio, when he's not doing, you know, TV for the sports net broadcast, he he's training players. And I think he may have just announced kind of a nonprofit that he set up to, to basically award scholarships to, to players in need. Um, I think he's covering a bunch of different angles. I don't foresee him, you know, working with a franchise, but I see him using his media clout that he's building and building and turn that into something really good moving forward for lower tiers of hockey or, you know, I think, you know, financially, Economic diversity is the biggest issue facing this game and any way that you can combat that, which I think he's doing already, and he's just getting started, uh, will go a long way to just flipping the sport on its head.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go with another one that I feel is obvious, but um, maybe it's not obvious to everyone. Haley Wickenheiser, Maple Leafs Director of Player Development. The team that, you know, the NHL wants to showcase, particularly in Canada. And they hired a woman to actually be director of player development. And that's pretty huge. I mean, it is Haley Wickenheiser, so all of us are looking around going, well, of course she would get that job because it's Haley Wickenheiser. But, <laughs> you know, just the fact that it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they get a lot of publicity because there's a lot of media in Toronto. And, um, you know, having a high-profile job like director of player development within an NHL team, is pretty huge considering that before the Kraken, you know, NHL teams were, you know, kind of a little gun shy about hiring women, um, and that's putting it delicately. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that, that that her hiring really cracked the door open for a lot of NHL teams to like consider hiring others. Yeah. But of course, you know, we're all like, well, of course Haley Wickenheiser got hired. Why wouldn't she? <laughs> yeah. I
2: mean, there's nothing she can't do. I mean, is Play she going to
1: p- be a doctor?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, how many PhDs does she have already? Yeah,
0: pretty much. I love the story about her call getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, taking her doctoral. Um. <clears throat> I'm going with 1, Barbara Ann Underhill. Some of you are going to go, "Who?"
1: I have the her on wom- my list too.
0: The woman, the little 4 foot 11 inch fireball that is teaching people how is teaching these big burly men how to skate. My
2: legs hurt just thinking about it.
0: In the NHL, this woman has had a career on her own. Obviously, is a you know, a world-class figure skater. But now she has, you know, started working with what, like half a dozen teams or something, and who knows how many players are in there. Yes, she's been on the hockey news, you know, influential people list before, but she deserves to be higher up just because she deserves to be higher up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so for years and years and years, uh, the name Laura Stam. Oh, yeah. has been synonymous with power skating and mm-hmm. she, she published the de facto power skating book that's available out there. I want the Barb Underhill reading material, which I'm sure, you know, she can't work for the Maple Leafs and, and do that as well because they shut down everything. That's great and awesome. That was public, but
1: doesn't she work with multiple teams, though? I don't think the Leafs have. She count. does
2: in the off season, but I think it's sort of like Gary Roberts. Uh, sorry oh, okay. to bring up a straight white male in this conversation, <laughs> but he can do some stuff with other teams, but now most of his efforts will be dealing with the players in Seattle. Like He can keep his business open, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: NHL players, I think he has to focus on the Kraken players. But we'll see. But right, yeah, so- bar- Barbet Underhill. I uh, I will. I would I would pay uh, lots of American dollars for a, a week long clinic.
1: <laughs> so we've all gone around and done five, and if we want to get to talking about other things, then I I suppose we should probably leave it there. We can like I mean, do you guys want to continue down our lists, or do you want to just just rattle off any extra names? I, I just was. So-
0: I'll just, yeah, I mean, I was just sorry. Gonna... I'm just gonna step out because as is typical of me, I, I min barred it, so I did five. So you two have at
2: it. All right. Um
1: your list is shorter for once.
2: <laughs> Seriously.
1: Uh I had
2: Angela James on there. Uh I wanna see her lead like a grassroots effort. She uh, I believe she, you know, tried out coaching in the CWHL once upon a time and found that it just wasn't the right fit for her. But I know she runs hockey academies, hockey camps. I would like to see a person like her run maybe the Learn to Play program and just standardize it somewhat across, you know, all the NHL cities. Uh, Angela Rizzaro, who's starting up a business to deal with – as far as I can tell raising funds for women's sports um Harrison Barnes you know the first transgendered player to play in the you know women's professional league uh Blake Bolden I mean she's going to be a coach in the NHL just full stop uh Mike Greer Joel Ward uh Tara Black, she's currently the CEO of the Charlotte Checkers, the Florida Panthers affiliate. Um, running, you know, minor league franchises is not a glamorous job. She's done it in multiple stops, doing it for independent owner in the AHL, and you know, having a team succeed often is no small feat. She could step into any boardroom, I think, and. You better listen to her. Um, like if if I were if I had the means to buy an NWHL franchise or you know whatever a future women's league, uh, I would be calling her to run all the business side, if not the entire organization. Um, and oh, last on my list, uh, Kevin Weeks, who was in the news this past week but we might get to that.
1: All right. So the top 20 that I had that I didn't mention.
2: I'm sorry. I was a terrible influence.
1: <laughs> so this is all Pat's fault. Uh, um, Tyler Tumania, NHL and WHL commissioner. Tyler is a woman's name. Uh, Jana Hefford, PWHPA operations consultant would be the uh, pwhpa essentially commissioner jt brown akim Lou, matt dumba cassie campbell pascal david amber hockey and this is a hockey night in canada section um <laughs> ryan clark the athletic arpin Basu, the athletic um kendall coins gofield who is currently player development coach for the Chicago Blackhawks affiliate, the Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, Haley Moore, who is the AHL vice president of hockey operations. Kaylee Chelios, also Chris Chelios's daughter, who is the radio, radio um, color analyst for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Megan Chayka, stafflete's co-founder, Blake Bolden, who is currently an LA Kings Pro Scout, Soraya Tinker, for current news. And then off my list, <laughs> I had I, I'd broken out all the Seattle Kraken people, uh, Angela Ruggiero, um, who is the CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. Uh, Patrick Burke in care of Brendan Burke, which is someone we had spoken about off air last episode after we finished um, recording. Christine Simpson, Sportsnet. Danny Ryland for founding the NWHL. Uh, Emily Castangue, who is uh, the first woman who is an NHLPA certified agent. Emily Kaplan, ESPN. Harrison Brown, the Kenya National Ice Hockey Team. Yes, all together. (laughs) Uh, I had Ken Davis on my list who works for the NHL, but I don't, I mean, I know that she's probably trying, but it doesn't seem like the NHL is allowing her to do her job to the fullest ability. (laughs) So I didn't. I left her off my
2: list only because she was on the top 100
1: yeah
2: but i also sometimes you need change from the outside and i can't imagine the position she's in
0: right right that's what i was going to say i think she's doing the best job that she can given the parameters she's allowed to work in yes and it's a matter of opening those parameters and i think that's just going to be a matter of external forcing functions right
2: Mm-hmm. External mm-hmm.
0: forces are gonna are gonna make more changes than anything, and that's uh, kind of history of my list is that sort of where I tried to 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 focus on, you know, those people I think that are making external forcing changes to the industries that they're in, you know, right? Just because you you have you can't, you have to you can't you have to you can't it is <laughs> hard to. Um, ignore their talents
1: Uh, I agree so uh, So. the last part here is Marissa Ngemi who is NBC Sports and Sportsnet currently she's a big uh, proponent of NWHL hockey Um, Sarah Sivian Sarah Nurse PWHPA Steve Cash Team USA Sled Hockey Goalie Uh, Tara Black, who is the Charlotte Checkers Chief Operating Officer. Hamal Javari for USA Today, uh, journalist. Lindsey Fry, who is the Arizona Coyotes radio color analyst, Barb Underhill. So that was my list in its entirety.
0: Now return you to straight white man hockey talk. And I can't think of two straighter, wider hockey men than Ron Axtall and Brian Burke.
1: Oh, my God. So, what's the over under on them like um, killing each other?
0: Um, Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. I'm with you. Zero. All 100%. You know, I will say absolutely not a problem with those two. Because brian burke knows ron haxtell kicked crap out of him mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's probably the only you know ron is very quiet very astute um not during his playing days <laughs> very intelligent man right <laughs> until you put him in hockey gear oh,
1: you know goalie equipment right you know uh, yeah I I, I remember Hextel's playing days.
0: (laughs) If you skated, if you tried to wrap around the net and you came out with your knees still intact, you were lucky because generally the first thing that came around that side of the net was his big old goalie hockey stick right about knee level.
1: Hard.
2: (laughs) I mean, where do you think he developed the strength to score not one but two actual goals?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I don't care about the number of goals he scored. I just want to know how many kneecaps he broke. <laughs> you know, he did he, you know what? I wonder where he learned it. He lived in Philly for a long time.
1: Mm. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: mm, kind of down there by the shore, you know, the long Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Hey, 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 yo, um, Ronnie. Hey, yo, Ronnie. Come here. We'll show you some things. This is how you take someone's knees out, okay? <laughs> you get your hockey Yeah, st- you go. Yeah, you go, Ronnie. Um, yeah. uh, the over-under on the first big trade is my thing. Mm. And round robin, who do you think is the first player that's going to get dealt from Pittsburgh?
1: my first thought that popped into my head yeah probably not going to happen but my first thought was Malkin
2: okay (sighs) all right whose contract is up first Gensel or Rust there you go Mm. (laughs) mainly because I, I do think there's an edict at least Well, Malkin's not going anywhere until the salary cap goes up, right? But that by that point, his contract's expired, so who knows?
0: Well, he's not going anywhere unless they take some unless unless they can clear an equivalent value off the books from the other team, right? Money for money type thing. Yeah. And you know what's he at eight something?
2: Nine five.
0: Nine five. Oh, that's right. He did get paid more, than Crosby. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem. You know, seeing a six million dollar or three million dollar player coming back from Malkin, do you? Probably not. You know, from a team that maybe saddled with a couple of those contracts that they don't like, they need a high end talent. I'm not looking in anyone's general direction. I'm certainly not looking east. Um... <clears throat> question is, is who is your dance partner and what are you getting from them because what are they going to want
1: <clears throat> well and that would be the, the, that would, the salary cap ceiling and you know what they're whether they're in cap hell or not and whether they have place for him although with Malkin you make a place for him um, <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah I mean it's just a matter of can they get what they can get for him as long as I, the seller I, cap
0: I'm doing a chant. What do we want? Goaltending. When do we want it? As soon as we can clear requisite cap space
2: to acquire an actual one goaltender.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's I feel like Hextall is going to his job is to do what he did in Philly. Just get rid of the bad contracts.
0: Build the build the pipeline
2: back up. like through. Keep drafting well, but you're gonna have to give guys away for nothing. Just get futures, and don't bring players back as much as you can. So, like, I could see Jason Zucker obviously going. Uh, Brandon Tanev. I would even look at che- trading John Marino. You know, he I might be, he that. might be your silver bullet. I was wondering
0: about that just because. Of a certain young man who, you know, would have been on my list, but didn't make it. Some Mr. Pierre Oliver Joseph.
2: Oh, can we pour one out for him, though? Oh. Yeah, but. He got turnstyled so bad. That's okay.
0: He's a kid. It's going to (laughs) happen. It's going to happen. It's not like he's Eric Carlson or Brent Burns, right? Where he's been in the league for a number of years and still getting turnstiled. Ah oh, God, I said the out loud. <laughs> I said the God dang it, I said the quiet part out loud again.
1: <clears throat> so um, <laughs> I guess to change the subject, keep it going. Um, or, <laughs> Don't change either. It. either are either of you blocked by Larry Brooks? Because apparently a number of people found out recently that they were blocked by Larry Brooks on Twitter. I, I, look am, for I am
2: not. I saw. I saw the tweet come in my timeline, and I promptly ignored it.
0: I must be lucky. Well, lucky that I haven't been on Twitter that much recently, but also lucky that when I happened to be looking, there was a bunch of people talking about it, and I never saw it pop in my timeline. And I don't care to go research anything when the name Larry Books is associated with it, because mm-hmm. I know it's going to be one of two things: something stupid or something really stupid. And I'm just <laughs> guessing it was the latter in this case.
2: Uh, uh, okay. I might lean towards the former a bit.
1: We we found out we found out his uh, um, beliefs on certain things. That really, we nobody would be surprised by.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's. Did anyone ask him? I mean, is this a situation like the the Dallas Stars, right, where nobody asked you to respond about the anthem being played, and you are, and yet here you are?
2: No, this is. Uh, you did the job. You probably should have. You know interviewing Tony D'Angelo is probably a, a smart journalistic endeavor.
0: Oh, whoa.
2: Why?
1: (laughs) Why? You didn't realize You didn't realize that what it was about? No.
2: Oh, Oh. so, so remember a few, I don't even know how long, how many weeks, Back in March of 2020 ago, this was, but when Pierre Lebrun did the, the interview with Mike Babcock for the athletic and, you know, it was written in the, we're going to ask some questions that he'll ta- actually talk about, and I'm just going to publish it. And in this day and age we're not used to the oh the reader is supposed to make the decisions and not the journalist this is very much in that same vein
0: except for
2: it was in a column format
0: may I interject something here please it was also done like a year after he'd been fired
1: Mm mhm this is like two weeks Mm mhm right who the hell cares the redemption arc has begun
2: That's the problem. And Uh since this was in a column format and he's basically throwing support in his word choice, this could have been one of those 60 minute type interviews where you make the subject feel really uncomfortable then maybe you don't get as much clicks as you, uh, I assume he did. No. And that's why he wrote this thing other than, no. you know, hockey Brooks man.
0: Wanted, Brooks, wanted, Brooks wants to keep his, you know, all the players happy with him so he can still talk to him.
2: It's about him. Mm-hmm. And, and given the, you know, I've seen the screenshots of the article. Well, that's I what it seems like there's a
0: it- lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, uh, refusing. Uh, no, let me back up. There's a lot of Nile. sort of rebuffing of of accusations made towards him that are clearly un you know and easily disproved just by looking at his own content.
1: Probably. Well, here's here's the funny thing with with people in general is that um they may be what they may be and and all of us on the outside are like you are you are a bad person because you do this and on the inside they're like i don't do that
0: (laughs) well they don't see them nobody sees themselves as evil right everyone justifies you know what they do
1: we all have to have a good good opinion of ourselves right yeah yeah, I mean, and so there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of, well, I don't, I'm not a racist, and I'm not an insurrectionist, and I'm not blah blah blah. And it's like, dude, have you read your own tweets lately? <laughs> that's before, not what I'm saying. It? <laughs> oh, sorry, go on then. No, I was just saying.
0: It's, oh dear God in heaven, can we change the
2: subject? <laughs> sure, just don't ask. D- d- don't bring it up with the P, uh, Professional Hockey Writers Association. Ugh. Oh God! Because they oh promoted God. the thing today. Oh,
0: because it was hard hitting. It was hard hitting and insightful, and you got a view into you know what led to the downfall of this man in this particular market. Well, of course, they think it's a story. When it's not, it's a sounds like it's just a freaking puff piece for him to keep his access to the room wherever he wants to. Because I'm always good to you guys. You know, I reached out to you and wrote a story about you when everybody else thought you were toxic. Blah, blah,
1: blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah. You know, anybody that badmouths John Tortorella can go suck it. Because Tortorella knew what Brooksy was. Dan mm-hmm. Boyle knew what Brooksy was. You don't get to bash him for this and then bash Tortorella because he bashed Brooks. Nope.
2: No. The PHWA... Promote this story as Tony D'Angelo bears his soul in first comments since the Rangers' exile. <laughs> and this was very much according to Sean Shapiro of The Athletic, who is, as he says, the Dallas chair of the local PHWA association. Uh, this is a one sided redemption platform without hard questions. And, what? you know, he makes the argument. Our organization shouldn't be promoting this at all. Yes, this player can be interviewed, and that's not the issue. It's just this is a puff piece. And it's a joke. But this that's kind of you know, that's kind of business one oh one from the NHL.
1: <clears> this is Larry Brooks. Brooks has been doing this since the nineteen eighties. <laughs> I this remember Larry- living I remember Ugh. living in like, in New York State in the mid '90s, and everybody and their their dog saying, "Don't believe anything Larry Brooks writes." All right. <laughs> the, the
2: fourth period is more credible than Larry Brooks.
1: I don't the believe the
0: fourth period. I don't believe Larry Brooks makes stuff up.
1: So I he's more he credible just, than Steve Simmons. <laughs> well, yes. Okay.
0: The town, you know, the town idiot is more credible than than Steve
2: Simmons. Oh wait, right. they're the same person. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're forgetting about the premiere. It Ontario's a mess. That's a whole different show.
0: Um, <clears throat> no, Larry Brooks just is. He puts himself in the story and makes the story about his opinions. And his stance. His feud with Tortorella wasn't anything more than I get to be the story. I'm going to make sure I get myself injected into this. The only thing the only reason that this had legs is because Torts does not suffer fools, and he called him out on it. And then it became a thing because now all anyone talks about, you know, is Tortorella going, Don't try and coach Brooksy. You know, I love him, but Woshinsky goes off on that constantly, and it's like, God, stop. You know,
2: yeah, you don't. Well,
0: you can't stand Larry Brooks either, Greg. You know.
2: No, no, but he loves the drama. Oh, of course, because he, he. Who do you think I saw this from first?
0: Oh. Yeah, that's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So All right. So the here. other, the <laughs> other controversial, the other controversial thing from this past week were. The Las Vegas Golden Knights shiny helmets.
2: You know why the Anaheim Ducks were able to shut them out?
1: Mm, They were blinded. No, they were targeting the the leading
2: scorer on the team, because isn't that what that was for?
1: Mm. So
2: anyone with a shiny helmet, they they played hard defense against. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I'm (laughs) all. Let's get weird. Seriously,
0: do something different. I mean, it's not terribly different because I know Notre Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Notre Dame it is
1: actually it the hockey. Midwest, so it is Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, you know Notre Dame. Eh, down there in the Notre Dame. Uh, no, they did it. Not, I mean, they did it. Gleeja hockey. I, you know, like Pat okay. said, the, you know, the. The bullseye on the back helmet, you know, for the leading scorer in European leagues is a gold helmet. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm all for it. Get freaky. Do something different. For the love of God, do something different.
1: The Arizona Coyotes purple jerseys yesterday, which we need more purple in this league.
0: Which I was fine with, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The purple didn't pop enough,
2: though. I will say on TV.
0: You'd think purple against a stark white background. No, actually, it wouldn't because that's not how color works.
2: What, what do you mean? I don't know. Adidas, go and look at all the stuff they've done with the Arizona State Sun Devils in NCAA and see all the crazy uniform combinations oh. they have and can kind of put together. They've got hockey some, team. It's some new school. Oh, I'm just talking the hockey team. Yeah. They they do the Oregon style stuff that Nike does, but they do it well. And it's not <clears throat> completely nuts. Of course, because they are German. Yeah.
1: And they're not yeah, they're not Nike. My only they're under hang- armor in Maryland.
2: Yeah. My only <laughs> hang-up with the Golden Knights helmet was they probably blew their helmet budget and that's why they had to use their, you know, dark grays with their reverse retros, when everything else was all black. Eh.
0: That's, you know, that's probably, what, 20 players?
2: Well, that's me nitpicking as the, uh, you, you know, uniform nerd. Fantastic. Yeah, they just needed the, they they should have worn the gold helmet with those.
0: That's probably, be, what, uh, two cases of Krylon gold metallic enamel? <laughs> well, no, because...
1: No, no, it's got to be gold chrome because it's it had that mirror finish. Well, not to mention,
2: you do need to airbrush it. You need to do a base layer so it doesn't mm-hmm. affect what? the integrity of the helmet. Yes, I've looked into this.
1: You I'm have up. to sand down. You have to have sanding in there too somewhere, so it has. No, protection. actually, you can't. No. You have to layer on top of it. Yeah. It it's a whole process.
2: It's a fascinating subject for a mm-hmm. process. Uh no, I I I, I grew up in the lower
0: forty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um. Side note, it's four three by the way. Live in-game update with nineteen thirty-five left in the third, nineteen thirty-six because apparently we have to reset the clocks after face-offs. Um. <clears throat> Evgeny Kuznetsov is using one of those weird vented Bauer sticks.
1: I don't think I've
0: seen those yet. Jake DeBrusque had one, I think, in the bubble, and people were like, what the hell is that? Because it, it, it's got the the blade, right? And then from just inside the toe to sort of behind the, to, in front of the heel, at the top, it's like it's routed out. So it's it's got like a, a vent type thing. Mm-hmm. There's just a there's a layer of stick that rolls around the toe. There's a hole, and then there's the rest of the blade. So you know, like about puck width, about two puck widths is part of the blade, and then Mm -hmm. there's a gap before the last part of the of the um, the top of the blade. And he didn't even bother to tape it, or at least that I can see. He may have like a strip of black tape on there, but it's not wrap taped. You know, DeBrusque, when he had it, had his wrapped. Yes. Thank you, Pat. The next is ADV learn from Bauer. Hmm.
2: This isn't the first time something like this has been introduced. CCM had their version of this. I think this is Bauer's actually second attempt. I think it um, is.
0: But mm. to actually
2: be used in a game... It's good to see. The shaft on it is way more interesting because it's it's not just, you know, rectangular. Right. There are five sides to it, and I use a similar uh, stick pattern. Yeah. Well, um, special. I'm, I'm all, for doing, all for trying new things because, I mean, honestly, it's, it's the bottom two-thirds of that blade that see 90% of the uh, puck contact. So, as a forward like Kuznetsov is, and you're not, you know, getting in too many shooting lanes like a defenseman would, or as many, I'm all for it. But since you brought up sticks, Patrick, I think I've got a good place for us to leave off this week.
0: Oh, good, because the Larry Brooks thing just... just...
2: (laughs) (sighs) This might perk you up a little. Um, I don't know if you happened to see a certain Pittsburgh Penguins practice last week. Oh, the alliteration on that! But um, certain fans of a, I'm, a, a vintage or an era will have enjoyed um, a comeback of sorts for the Sherwood Fifty Thirty. The Pittsburgh Uh-oh. Penguins had a penguin uh, had a practice where every player used an all wood stick, and they all used the Uh-oh. same stick.
1: Aren't they all eavesdropping on us, too?
2: Of course they are.
0: Wasn't that a... uh, Damn it. Wasn't that sort of an homage to Hextall being announced as the GM?
2: I wouldn't be surprised. Probably. And given that it's the only wood stick that you can still find these days, it's not like the, uh, the types of sticks where you basically have to hunt on eBay or, you know, just buy out... The manufacturer, because they see work or or uh, building on on certain sticks, but no, every player was using a wood stick in practice. So let me pose this to you: Should we have an entire week where every player has to use the same stick, with the oh. same curve, and the same lie?
0: This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.